and welcome into another episode of the Outsider Sports Hockey Podcast. Ben Mandel joined by Mikey D. No Tom Leone this week, but we are going to be okay because that means Mike and I get to talk about the Devils as much as we want. So let's start the show off with the Devils nugget here. Jack Hughes, we know uh, he is back from injury. He has played 18 games this season. Mike, how many points does Jack Hughes have? 33. I need 33. No, he has 33. Yeah, 33. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like, we just talked about this right before we got on, and like, I should have did a stat check. That's on me. But no, thank no, you no. for clearing that just, up. <laughs> I was trying to just do the rhetorical thing. <laughs> You're good, Mike. <laughs> but yeah, he is 33 in 18 games. The league leader in points is Nikita Kucherov. Uh, who I believe has played in 26 games, 44 points. Jack sits in sixth in the league. So New Jersey Devils fans, Jack Hughes is back. The Devils look like they're going to be back after their interesting win against Vancouver. I was going to say a good win, but in any anytime you can win on the road against a good team, it's a good win. But the way that third period went, wasn't the best until the last few minutes, but that's a conversation for another day because we do have some big news to talk about. And really the biggest thing that came out this past week is the salary cap is projected to finally jump. The flat cap COVID era looks like it's finally coming to an end. Now this isn't a guarantee that it's going to keep going up every year, but we are seeing a jump of $4.4 million. That's going to bring the cap up to 87.7 million or whatever that number is. That's that's huge because if you look at it in the grand scheme of things, that's another second, third line caliber player you can add to your team. Or, and the biggest thing is a lot of these guys who signed these one-year bridge deals may be more inclined to sign longer. And, you know, for a Toronto Maple Leaf team that has to sign William Nylander, this is great news. But, Mike, what were your first thoughts when you heard about the salary cap finally going up again? Yeah, no, it, it's definitely uh, intriguing to what you're in, referring to as well because when you look at the salary cap and you have to sign your players and some of these second and third line players that are big you know contributors to your team but you can't afford them it just makes it a lot more interesting for the nhl and for the teams that are going to be coming and what they are already and how they can maintain right so um i know it's already up a million from just last year but in sports and, and entertainment that's like nothing right but going up four million dollars that makes it very intriguing for all these teams and what they can do and what risks they can take right um so like you said um you know for toronto and in nylander that guy is a big contributor to their team and the success that they've had now they know they can maintain them and now for these other teams who want to get a piece and and you know they need to you know step up a position on their team now they can take a risk and do that with this with this salary cap going up so i think it's interesting i think it's great for the nhl because if you look at any other sports and uh professional leagues you know and around the professional world you know, their salary caps are set so much higher than the NHL, and that's why you have super teams. And I'm not saying it's entertaining all the time, but that's why you have super teams, and that's why you have teams on elite levels, and it changes the course of seasons because when you can sign the guys that you want and you need, um, you know, it makes a difference, and it makes things more entertaining. So I, I think it's great for the NHL, um, and I, I love how they're not overdoing it, but they're making it more maintainable for these teams to um, excel in the needs that they need. Yeah, it's it's definitely big from that standpoint, especially, you know, when you look at 
let's say the New York Islanders, for example, and the cap issues that they've been dealing with. They haven't been able to really go big game hunting, which is what they've been needing to. They've had to only do it through the trade market and sacrifice pieces to get them. Now, all of a sudden, clearing cap space to bring in a seven, eight million dollar star is realistic. The team that this benefits the most, though. It's our team, Mike. It's the New Jersey Devils. I was they, just about to say, they, can they break a bank for a goalie, please? <laughs> well, that's, but now with all their core locked up, and this was under the old cap, the lower cap, all of a sudden clearing, you have $4 million. Goaltenders, the best ones right now are making five, six. I think Hellebuck got seven. That You can clear that money, especially if you can get VTech off the books with it. You get VTech off the books along with that four million of influx boom all of a sudden the devils have seven million to go get a goalie they just need to go get one uh but i think that the, overall it's just great because it means that the sport is growing finally and it means that the last few years it hasn't just been a crapshoot it hasn't been a waste the nhl isn't hemorrhaging money like it did during the bubble so it's it's exciting it's nice to see that the you know, that the sport is still growing and that it's it's moving in the right direction. We're seeing the cap go up. I still think it needs to get up around the $100 million range eventually. I think that not necessarily I – th- I don't think it's going to result in super teams, but I do think it, it once that cap goes up, it's going to get some of these players, get like superstars, getting paid in the other sports superstar tier range. I think that's what makes the AHL great though. The fact that they, that, you know, well, and it's not, it's and... not about the money. It's not yeah. about the money. These guys want to go and they want to win. I mean, exactly. Austin Matthews highest AAV. And I think it's like 16 million a year. Yeah. That's and like you, bench players take, in the NBA. You, don't make that. Like they, they saying, make more you, you take that. his caliber of player in any other professional league and they're making 300 to $400 a million. I, that, that, it's it's just, exactly. It's I mean, difference. you look at the bench players in the NBA and granted it's one, because the NBA is better collective bargaining agreement Two, It's because I mean, the, the money is more important in other sports hockey. The players want the cup and that's what, the, I actually heard the NBA on TNT guys talking about it during the playoffs last year. Charles Barkley was saying how he wishes the NBA finals were what the Stanley Cup was. He said, these players in hockey, like the, these guys, now that TNT has hockey, all these guys now are seeing it. They're, you know, watching it more. They're like, it is truly just win the cup. Doesn't matter what you got going on. Doesn't The injuries doesn't matter. It's all about the cup doesn't matter about the money doesn't matter about the legacy doesn't matter about and no one talks during the stanley cup oh is is Connor mcdavid gonna get his ring is he gonna win mvp like no it's like it's do the oilers have enough to win the cup do the oilers defense is is mcdavid and dry enough to help win the cup it's all of it is about winning and that's what other sports are really starting to envy and you're right, Mike, the salary cap does have something to do with it in the NHL with it being as low because these guys have to take look, excuse me, have to take the lower salaries to have competence around them. Yeah. And they need to earn more for their contract and the, and the money that is limited in NHL. Right. But I know this isn't a segment about what professional sports better, but you know, just to add on to what makes what you're saying 
more relevant is that when it comes to just it just winning for NHL, like look at all these other professional sports and what they have to do to make their sport entertaining, to make these guys want to continue and playing, right? Like MLB and and uh, you know making the the pitch clock b- bigger bases, like benefiting the players, right? NBA the in season tournament, the the playing uh, the playing playoffs round, love... and, and even like it's just I I saw. Um... The I saw Bleacher Report proposed an in-season tournament for the NHL. Mike, I have really? to tell you, I am all about this. It was like because well, I have been been doing my share of watching. That would be intriguing. Let me let me tell you what this in-season tournament proposal was because it was awesome. Group stage games at outdoor venues, specialty uniforms for the tournament. The Winter Classic is the championship game. That's that's intriguing. That's exciting, I, I am actually. all about that. That would be awesome. Yeah. Screw the Winter Classic and what it is. Let it be, you know, do the group stage, do the single elimination thing. I, I think it's been great because you have the Indiana Pacers in the Final Four of the in-season tournament for the NBA. This is exactly. Yeah, they're not winning the NBA Finals. Like, they're they're like, barely a playoff team if that. Like, exactly. So it's awesome to see new teams, you know, get the limelight. The Knicks were in the Elite Eight. Like, there's definitely a lot of positives that have come from it. Now, the thing is, is the NHL doesn't need to do this for their regular season. Their players mm-hmm. are playing. <laughs> you don't yeah. have load management in the NHL. I think it would strictly be just because, hey, the NBA did it. The fans love it. So let's do it and try to bring more fans in. I also think it would just be a lot of those guys would love to compete to play in the Winter Classic. I think that alone is what these guys would want to do. Yeah, I think effort isn't isn't questioning NHL at all with these no. guys, like you said. So, so yeah, but just the fact to make an event like that, I think they would definitely be intrigued, and and you know they would want to bring their play to an even more level than they already do. But like you said, effort's never a question in NHL, and that's what makes it uh, so entertaining. Yeah, exactly. Now, next segment we do want to talk about, and it's the Pacific Division, and you know us being Devils fans, Tom a Rangers fan. We, we talk about how the Metro is the best division in hockey all the time. And I still believe that. I know the record of points-wise may not show that, but I still confidently believe that the Metro is the best division in hockey still. They've got a close runner-up, though, right now. And while the Atlantic division, yes, this is another one that's gotten better when you have the likes of Boston, Florida, Detroit, Tampa, and Toronto. Um, you know, you got Buffalo. I think the Pacific division, where you have – the likes of Vegas, LA, and Vancouver, arguably three of the best teams in all of hockey right now in the same division. You've got a Calgary team that has picked things up. They're still below NHL 500, but they have been much better. Seattle was a playoff team last year. You have the Edmonton Oilers, who've been great since Knobloch took over. Anaheim's on the upswing. Uh, San Jose is San Jose. Um, But, you know, Mike, this this Pacific division is loaded. It's extremely top-heavy. And outside of maybe two teams in the division, everyone's on the up and up. No, yeah, absolutely. Um, You know, I'm looking at the division standings right now. And like you said, for the Pacific side of things, like those top three teams – 
on that on that side of the division. You, know, you got Vegas, you got Los Angeles and Vancouver. Like you said, arguably three of the most talented and top teams in NHL alone, right? And then you go over to the Metro, um, and obviously the Rangers kind of just separate themselves from everybody else in the division at the moment, right? <laughs> I mean, obviously Carolina's in there, and, and then at third is what's the most intriguing thing, which we talked about last week's podcast, is how Philly's been doing this year, and they're third. But looking at this Metro division, like it just looks like the teams that are in contention for a playoff spot right now, it can just constantly switch and constantly drop, right? Like I think that the Devils, um, you know, obviously I'm trying to be unbiased. I think the Devils can obviously catch up to to the Flyers and uh, you know, the, the Devils have games in hand to meet them. So exactly, like, and, like, and sorry, the, go ahead. No, 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 I, no, I cut you <laughs> off. You're good. <laughs> no, no, it's okay. But you know, I'm just saying with the Metro, I feel like except for the Rangers, if you wanted the Rangers, I feel like all these teams under them they can all go switch in and switch out and it's going to go over time right but then when you go over to the specific like these guys are going to be dog fighting going blow for blow all year round and and we and like i don't know who's going to finish in the top of the division or in that top three right like i just like i don't know that but with the metro you kind of have that idea if that makes sense no yeah and and while i do think that we're firmly going to see that top three in the pacific with vegas la vancouver right now Vegas is on top with 39 points, but 27 games played. The Kings have only played 22 games. So I think it's that's another important one to look because that's five games in hand that the Kings have with just two fewer wins than the Golden Knights. So I think, you know, those two teams are really going to be the biggest dogfight. I think you're right about the Rangers. They're supplanted up top. But we're going to see, I think, Pittsburgh and New Jersey – are going to eventually flip with Washington and Philadelphia. I think the Islanders, Devils, Penguins, it's going to be the same five battling it out for playoff spots out of the uh, Metro. The only thing is, is the way the Atlantic is going, the playoff spots may not be the same. You may not have four, even four playoff spots. Normally the Metro takes five. They may only get three this year because right now, if you look at the wild card standings, the Metro would only have three playoff teams. They're the Rangers, Carolina, and Philadelphia. So yeah, yeah, I'm looking at looking at it as well. Yeah, it looks like that Atlantic side of things. It's kind of a dogfight over there too, with uh, with Boston, Florida, and Detroit, and you know, and even Tampa's coming on on the up as well. So. Yeah, it definitely seems like the competition right now in um, in different divisions, especially on that side of the conference, it looks a lot more competitive than what the Metro is bringing out right now. Yeah, and the biggest thing I want to count, I want to say Tampa is going to fall off just because the way they're playing isn't completely sustainable, but they're hanging on without Vasilevsky. So I think Tampa might actually be tells climbing. You, tells you something, yeah. yeah. I mean, it tells you something and from from fans in a team that need a goalie, and they, and, and you can tell that the win loss sheet is is coming mm-hmm. off of that alone. I uh, listen. That's that's a big deal if they can win without him. <laughs> yeah, it's it's going to be tough finding playoff spots. You really get, are going to want to get in that top three if you're in the East this year, just because you're probably going to have four or five teams duking it out for those two wild cards but last topic we do want to cover and it's our power rankings now we have not put them out yet they will be out later today but uh mike in terms of your power rankings what's the one team you wanted to talk about and bring up this week uh you already know who i'm bringing up this week ben i'm gonna be a little biased but i threw them in my top 10 
at 10 because they don't deserve to be any higher. But I'm, I'm going to talk about our Devils real quick. I think it's what I want to talk about them real quick is um, is how, you know, we're talking about these other teams, how they can win without certain pieces and aspects. And I think that's what the Devils are finding a way to do as of lately. And it all starts with Jack Hughes, right? You know, we were talked about in the beginning of the episode and, um, and you know, it just proves that him and himself um, and, and the rally around this team. And I got to give a huge props to Nico Heischer as well. Ever since he's been back, the Devils have won four out of five. And, um, you know, they look like a more complete team. Obviously, defensively and goaltending is a big issue for the team right now. But they're finding a way to win games with, with this dynamic offense that is led by Jack Hughes, who's had 10 multi-point games this year while missing most of the season so far as well. And usually, like you said, he's still in the top rankings for points in the season, despite the time that he missed. And it just proves that, you know, he is the franchise guy for them. Uh, for the Devils, um, for me going forward, um, I think that they can still maintain this run. It is just the the matter of fact if, um, you know, they can they can keep it up on the defensive side and, and B-Tech and Schmidt can, uh, you know, can somewhat – you know, be maintainable at the moment like they were last year. But I think, uh, you know, for, for Fitz, he's going to have to find a goalie, man. And I think he sees that as of lately. Um, and we'll see what happens on the upcoming stretch for the Devils. Yeah, we'll we'll definitely have to see. I've seen UC Zaros and uh, Gibson being the two biggest names linked to the Devils in terms of goaltending. But the guy we didn't even mention for the Devils, Dougie Hamilton, torn pack surgery out indefinitely. That's a long recovery, I believe, around six months, uh, if I'm not mistaken. I could be incorrect. Hockey injuries, they never disclosed the timetable. Granted, Jack Hughes has been hurt a couple of times now. We thought it was going to be longer than it actually has been. So hopefully Dougie can be back sooner than later. But that's a huge blow, and it might keep the Devils from being able to get a goalie because they may need to go get another defenseman. Now, here's the thing. If you can do that, and if you think Dougie's done for the year but could come back for playoffs. Fair enough. Long-term IR, that's $7 yes. million dollars right yes, there to it go. Is. <laughs> yes, it is. I got to say one thing, too. I really like that Nemec kid, man. He's not afraid I, to shoot the puck. I'm he's so afraid. happy he's up. I told you guys this before the season started that this kid's a stud. Yeah, I, 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 I like that he he's... Yeah, I like the way he lets it rip, and he he goes out there and he he plays like he's played before, and I think that's awesome. Um, and you got so much young talent defensively on this team between Luke and him now. I mean, they're only just going to get experience and, and and for overtime for the Devils, it's just a it's just a big thing to have them up and playing already. Yeah, I couldn't could not agree more. I think he's been great. Now, the team I do want to talk about is the New York Islanders because I slipped them in at ten, and it's really because they've been playing better as of late. Uh, the blown leads are still a huge problem for this team. I don't understand how a team with Ilya Sorokin and Semyon Varlamov in goal can blow this many games. But the Islanders are still 5-1-4 and four in their last 10 games. They're alive. Their record points-wise is still good because of all their losses are coming in blown leads. I think that the Islanders are kind of starting to realize that they need a new coach. I think Lane Lambert is not the answer there. Uh, after taking over for Barry Trotz, I think that that was a big mistake. Ultimately, though, that is how, you know, Lou Lamarillo wanted to play things for the Islanders, wanted to go with Lane Lambert. But this is a team that, you know, in their last few, they beat Calgary, beat Philly, beat Ottawa, lost in a shootout to Philly before losing to New Jersey 
beating Carolina. And then uh, as the calendar has shifted to December, a win and then an overtime loss to San Jose, a game that the Islanders were winning four to one. They it's it, it is disastrous on Long Island, but at the same time, the fact that they have lost that many games, I believe they're getting close to double digits now, uh, mm-hmm. and blown like blown leads, like all of their losses are blown leads. Like it's, and the fact that they're all overtime losses, Ben. Yeah, it's, I, I, it's, it's crazy. It's that's why though I have them in the top ten because. That's how good of a team they can be. And again, it's it's a little bit hard and tough to say because, you know, this is this is not the fastest team. This is not the youngest team. This is not they're not really good at anything. They're just average, solid at everything. Like hey, they show up <laughs> and get it done. No, I, I like they're they're outstanding in goal <laughs> outside of that. But even that, Sorokin hasn't had the best year, but that's because defensively, they've been putrid in front of him. If the Islanders are able to get back to that defensive system, I think they'll be okay. I think Bo Horvath's been solid. I think Barzell is maybe starting to pick it up. He's someone that they want to score more, but that's that's really all the it's been for the Islanders for the last couple of years now. Uh, they were a playoff team last year. Don't think that they're going to be a playoff team this year, especially with how good the Atlantic is this year. You never know, Ben. I, I mean, listen, we I don't said this last year. We yeah, talked about no, them saying, being written off you. last year too. <laughs> exactly. No, and I don't bank you for putting them at ten. I mean, I put the Devils at ten to be biased, but I mean, if you look at the Islanders, I'm just looking at this right now. They're third worst in goal differential at minus ten with the rest of the Metro, right? Obviously, Columbus and uh, Washington is worse, but they're playing. Mm-hmm. They're still finding a way to win games. They're fourth. They're in a playoff contention, and they're worst in their best pieces and having the best year. Imagine if he puts it together and how good this team can really be, right? Like, like it just it makes you think. And that's that's what has to be so frustrating for all of these Islander fans because they they can't like their their team. One, it's management doesn't go out there and make huge changes for them that they want to see. They stay old. They stay slow. Like. The Islanders just they their fans have just wanted something to change from the last three years, and it has. Um, I mean, I guess the getting rid of Josh Bailey was a good one, but <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> what, it's, about, what about Horvat? You don't think Horvat the Horvat pickup over the last three years wasn't a big deal? Here's the here's the thing, and this is what I was saying when they made the deal. You got rid of your best prospect, and you got rid of one of your top six forwards. How much better did you fair. really get from that move? Not to mention the fact they went and turned around and signed him anyway. That's fair enough. Like, <laughs> fair you, enough. you lost Beauvillier, who was not only a top six forward, but one of your best locker room guys. It's, that dude had heart, man. Yeah, he had so much heart for that saw, team. You saw the way he played against, you know, the Islanders when he came back to Long Island. It was it was emotional for him. He was upset. He was one of Barzal's best friends. He he honestly hasn't been the same. Like, he, mm-hmm. not that he doesn't like Bo Horvat, but – he hasn't been the same player since losing one of his best friends in that locker room. Uh, you know, he hasn't been the Fair same enough. since Jordan Everly left in the expansion draft. So it's fair enough. It's 
you've got the Islanders. Lou Lamarillo, I think, is just past his time. I think he's a general manager who was past his time with the Devils. And then Toronto brought him in. And after a few years, they realized, oh, my God, get him out of here. And then he goes to the Islanders. The Islanders have some success early. It's a lot like John Tortorella as a head coach, in my opinion. Low floor, low ceiling. That's that's really what I feel we're getting out of the Islanders at this point, especially with the way they've locked themselves up salary cap-wise. We'll see how the cap increase is going to help them. But that is going to do it for us here on the Outsider Sports Hockey Podcast. Really appreciate you guys all tuning in. Mike, thanks for coming on with me. And yeah, let's do that hockey. We've got another great week coming up.